Hello Hello there. there. Welcome back to episode 72 of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. And um, we are back with another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. We are talking today about the final four episodes of season six of Star Wars The Clone Wars. We're talking about The Lost One. We're talking about voices. We're talking about destiny. And we're talking about sacrifice. Four of my favorite episodes of The Clone Wars of all time. Uh, I am really dig all four of these episodes. Um, I'm Eli. I'm Jacob, once again. Um, and yeah, I really dig these episodes as well. Um, this is actually, for me, somehow the first time that I've fully watched through all these episodes together. So Really? Really, really, I think, criminally underrated that oh, i have not criminal. heard these more are people like... talking about them these are these are incredible incredible episodes honestly for me as a as a huge rebels fan as a proponent of of rebels um being better i guess i should say as someone who as someone who has at many points liked rebels more than clone wars i think these episodes are some of the best arguments you could make for uh for Clone Wars, in my mind, maybe um, maybe pulling ahead, or at the very least, at the very least, uh, being just as good. Absolutely. Because these episodes to me were just. Yeah. I was. I was. I know you're gonna. I know this is. I know this is your type of episode, Eli. Oh. But for me, <laughs> these 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 episodes just blew me away. Yeah. They no, blew me away. You put mystical force shit in front of me. No matter how good it is, I will eat it up. But this but, is just but so this is good. quality. This is like this is incredible so quality. quality. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, I by the way, I'm not I, I'm not calling this stuff for shit willy nilly. I literally wrote on my document today that I took notes on <laughs> in a galaxy for shit. I like I wrote disappeared arc or you know like the clone arc. No, I wrote for shit for this arc because i was that i was i was that kind of guy when i decided to do that i mean but before we talk about the clone we got to talk about another show we got to talk about the book of the mandal sorry the book of boba fett are you sure you don't mean the book of luke skywalker yeah we got to talk about chapter six from the desert comes a stranger um, we're actually recording this, so we're putting this out after Chapter 7 released. Uh, we're actually recording this the day before Chapter 7 releases. So we have no idea what's going on with Chapter 7 other than that it's happening and it's directed by Mr. Robert Rodriguez. Um, but the sixth episode was directed and co-written by Mr. Dave Filoni. God bless his name, you know, uh, because of all that he has done for this great franchise. And who boy was this an episode? Um, Absolute bombshell. There were so many just head explosion, mind blowing moments in this episode. Yeah, so many. I, I don't even. Where do we? Where do we even start? I mean, where do we even start? Because I feel like yeah. there's three. I feel like we could. Where, where do we even start? Where do Where do you want to kick things off? I this mean, discussion. I want to start at the end just because of the the thing that I was always a bit hazy about happening in the show. And I, people kept mentioning it. I know Brian from Pink Milk was a big proponent of it. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to happen. It, it, could you imagine if they brought Cad Bane onto the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah. And then he just walks out and Cad Bane is officially in live action. 
I don't like Cad Bane as a character, and even I was hyped. I was, I was, I was so hyped and surprised, and just it was, it was really amazing to to see Cad Bane again. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was really awesome, and it was also sad for me because Eli, I know you said you think that Cobb Vanth is still alive, and I agree. I think, I hope he is still alive because. I, I was really getting to like Cobb Vanth. You know, first off. if they like, kill off Cobb Vanth, that episode will decrease in value for me by like 10 to 25%. If they actually make Cobb Vanth dead, which I don't think they are going to, I'm going to be very mad. But I love Cobb. I love Cobb. Tim Oliphant is maybe the best actor in the, in the Mandalorian universe, if I could say that, actually. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope we get to see more Cobb Vanth. Um, because, you know, in the, Ma- in the Mandalorian, I was kind of ambivalent about him at first. I know you're a big Cobb fan, Eli, but for me, I kind of didn't find his character that appealing, but I think I really liked him when he came back. I thought that somehow the fact that he lost the Beskar armor and he's no longer wearing the Boba Fett armor, that just makes him more appealing to me somehow. You know, when, when he's going out there, going out there dealing with um, the Pikes, for example, he just, he's that much more vulnerable as he's, as he's kind of being the brave guardian of, of Freetown um, or Mos Pelgo or whatever you want to call it. By the way, they changed the name to Freetown, by the way. L- let's respect that canon continuity yeah. right there. Respect, respect all that canon continuity. Give it up for Freetown. Give it up for Freetown. Give it Get up for Freetown. Them. So yeah, I, I suffice it to say, I really liked, um, I, I really liked Cobb Vanth, and I, I hope he, I hope he makes a return. Cross of the fingers. Um, we also got to talk about our our guy. I, we got to talk about Luke Skywalker. We do have to talk about Luke Skywalker because because he came he, back in a big way. He came back in a big way, and I don't know if you've read into what technology they've been using to to bring Luke Skywalker into the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett. It's insane. It is insane what they're doing. It's um, nuts. It's not even Mark Hamill voicing him. That's AI-generated voice. Yeah, it's it's blows it's pretty my nuts. mind um, to think about. And, you know, I think it's an interesting decision that it seems like now that they've 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 done this not only for uh, his little appearance in the Mandalorian, but also for a good chunk of the episode. I think it's an interesting decision that, at least for now, they're kind of saying we're not going to recast any any part of of Luke Skywalker's journey on screen, which I think that's both a good decision and also a bad decision because. To me, it was very, very good to be to be clear. I thought it was the the AI, the voice, the the um the visuals of Luke were very, very good, but they still felt a little bit uncanny to me. And I wasn't I, I wasn't I wasn't totally comfortable you with know, that. And it was just a little bit off putting for me. You know, I, Even I, I really like the episode overall. 
you know, I, I guess I was a little bit more comfortable with Luke's um, appearance. It didn't bother me as much. But his voice is bothering me a lot because knowing it's AI, like, it doesn't, it, it lacks the expressiveness that... I didn't even, yeah. 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 It definitely, I think the voice, that obviously this is groundbreaking technology and, and yeah. the, the kinks have to be worked out of the system. Absolutely. And by but the way... I just wish, I just wish that they could... Let, just assuming that they're going to use this technology, all philosophical and possible moral objections, of which I, I have a few qualms, my, maybe not objections, but I have some qualms myself, all, all of the moral and philosophical, it, not all of the should you aside, if we're just talking about the can you, yeah, I wish that they would have polished this up a little more, even though it is very impressive as it stands. Yeah. Before they use it on someone as iconic and beloved as Luke Skywalker. I can understand that. Because I just want to ask you though. And it irks me. I, I, I just want to ask you though. Most people, including myself, think that the Boba Fett Luke is better than the Mandalorian Luke. Do you agree with that? It's been a while since I saw Luke and the Mandalorian. I didn't really follow all the discourse about that. The guy, the the YouTube channel, I was like, we made a better Luke. The different versions of Luke, the the alleged Lucasfilm hirings. I I, I don't know if that even happened or not. That did. Okay, that actually happened. Okay, that interesting. Actually did happen. I, I haven't clearly haven't followed that closely enough. Um, so I really didn't notice a big difference between the two. Granted, obviously, I haven't I haven't watched yeah. the Mando finale recently, but there definitely were moments when I, I didn't like I didn't like the the final product in yeah. this episode. I think especially the um I think when it was static, when he was kind of sitting still, it was better. His hair, I thought, wasn't the most convincing. There was something a little bit off about that. Granted, that is obviously a big sticking point for a lot of these visual technologies over the years has been the hair. Yeah. We know that to be the case. Um I think the biggest problem was when he put Grogu on his back and he took off running and he started climbing. A lot of that, for whatever reason, especially the climbing, it looked stilted. It didn't look quite right to me. And I'm not sure why that was. Maybe it was the way the camera was moving. Maybe it's maybe it's not the, the CGI's fault. But for whatever reason, it didn't look natural to me. Also, I feel like we have to address the elephant in the room because there's Which a big is, elephant in the room. When Mando is waiting for Luke and Grogu, he runs into who else but Ahsoka Tano. And we see Ahsoka Tano and Luke Skywalker talk together. Amazing. That blew my mind. I knew we were going to get it someday. I did not expect it to be this soon. Yeah, it is it it is really heartwarming. To see that, to know that Luke is learning about, from Luke's perspective, he's learning about his mom. He's learning about his dad before his dad became a yeah. evil Sith Lord. Yeah. When and also from Ahsoka's perspective, yeah, that she she gets, she gets to, see, to that, see her master's son. You know, and and she gets to see that Anakin, despite all of his terrible things he's done, has actually managed to leave some good in the galaxy. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, when when Ahsoka says to Luke so much like your father, 
I like melted inside basically. That was that was a great moment. Um, that was a that was a really great moment. But I want to just jump quickly before we go to the Clone Wars to that final scene where Luke is offering um is offering Grogu a choice. The armor or the lightsaber. What do you think he's going to choose? Because I know what I think he's going to choose. I have no idea what he's going to choose. I honestly think it could go either way. Um, I think there's a strong case to be made um, for both ways. But if if we know anything about Star Wars at it, at this point, especially Disney Star Wars, it's that they love to throw us for a loop. And so trying to infer from the future based on maybe where baby Yoda isn't where we think he might be. I don't think that's yeah. a fruitful. I mean, what do you think though? I'm not judging it based on where Grogu would be in the future. I'm judging it based on like where star Wars stories generally like to go and where it would make the most sense for the story to go. And mm. based on that, I cannot see him choosing the lightsaber. I can only see him choosing the armor. Because okay. it, it, him picking the lightsaber would be a really odd decision that they would need to explain story-wise. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm saying the armor is a more natural place to go based on the story that's built up already. Um, and the, the armor, you know, brings, what that probably means is it brings Grogu back, Grogu to, back to Din on Tatooine, brings Luke to Tatooine, maybe Luke helps Boba in some way, maybe Grogu and Din help, maybe Grogu helps Boba in some way in his struggle against the Pikes. Because it, because, because if, here's my thing, if he chooses the lightsaber, he stays on whatever planet that is. Storyline wrapped, and why did we even go to Grogu in the first place? Yeah. But if he chooses the armor, then he ties into the plot in a way that's more natural. That's at least my thinking. Yeah. That is that is a good point. A couple more things before before we move on. I know there's been a lot of a lot of discussion surrounding Cad Bane's appearance yeah. in the man in, sorry, in book of Boba. I know that there was the guy on YouTube cinematic captures who made, he fixed it. The, um, well, well, what's interesting actually is that he never claimed to have fixed it. And yeah. what's sad is that he received a lot of hate yeah. for putting forward an alternate version of it and never claiming that it was better. Yeah. That was unfair. I shouldn't have I think that. just goes to show that, People just need to, to, whether they like it or not, whether they think it's good or not. Everyone needs to just take a chill pill. Absolutely. Remember that we're all we're all Star Wars fans. We're all we're all just trying to have fun Preach. and come together around something. <laughs> With that being said, what do you think? I'm interested to hear. I didn't name. have much of a problem with it. What I always think is that the animation of Star Wars is a stylized thing. You know, it's yeah. one of those things where. You know, it's not a one-to-one comparison because that's not fair. I mean, you know, it's easy as a Star Wars fan to ignore this because I'm so used to the animation. But Dooku looks strange, okay? Yeah. Dooku looks really strange. 
I mean, if Dooku looked anything like that in live action, that would be strange. And it's not that much of a deferential between Cad Bane and animation and Cad Bane in live action as there is, say, between a Dooku character. Um, and I think, like, you know, I, again, I think people need to calm down a lot because I think it's just, like, it's not really that different, frankly. It's really not. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I know a lot of people are, are making the comparisons of, oh, how different Dooku is, for example, how different, you know, Anakin, all these, all these other characters are. But what I think people are missing in saying that, while it is a valid point, is that we're going in the other direction here. And that presents a unique opportunity to have a character who hues more so to what they looked like, how they originally looked like in animation, which I think would have been cool to see. I think for, for the skin color, that didn't bug me so much, you know, going from the dark blue to light blue. Obviously, Cad Bane, what, he's got to be in his 70s. I think at this like point late 60s, in Boba Fett, yeah. late sixties, like Seven. we know that Duros, we know they lose pigment as they age. Also, he's clearly been walking around on Tatooine, so he's probably covered in dust. Yeah, um, which can't help either. I think the thing that bugged a lot more people, and what bugs me just the tiniest bit, is the shape of the face and the mouth placement. I think that the mouth placement is a little bit strange at first. I think that. I would have, pref I probably would have preferred had they gone for a little bit more of the Clone Wars look, you know, make the eyes a little bit less prominent and bulbous, put the mouth lower down. But ultimately, knowing that they wanted to not do a CGI Cad Bane, it kind of necessitates having the mouth farther up so that you can, you can put someone behind there and have them be able to, to breathe. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I like under I feel like I'm in the middle on this one. Like I I wish he'd looked a little bit different, but his introduction was so good anyway. Yeah, it's like like it's know. like who cares? Yeah, like, who cares? Yeah, we have had been, Bane in live like, action. Yeah, it could have been different. Yeah, it could have been subjectively more a little bit more enjoyable for for some people for me. But at the end of the day, like... We have Cad Bane in, yeah, we in have live Cad. action, which is we something that I legitimately... I was one of... I, I will admit, I was a big doubter that that was going to happen. I just didn't think that of all of the characters in animation, Cad Bane would be the one they would immediately jump to. But I was proven wrong here, and I'm yeah. I'm honestly happy to be proven wrong because I think that the, the way they introduced Cad Bane, the way they built all of that up, was very, yeah. very well done and well like and dave filoni is just dave filoni is reaching his full potential is my oh opinion. yes he's, he's oh doing, yes he's doing the things one thing though one thing though cad bane says moba fett is a cold-blooded killer yeah it takes one to know one yeah this is cad bane we're talking about like yeah i, I know nobody knows who he is that. yeah nobody knows and, who he is and by the way it's notice fun, like Notice, He's definitely doing it. Sorry, go ahead. Notice that he takes great lengths to make sure that nobody knows who he is. They keep yeah, asking him what his true. name is. And I think part of that's very intentional because it's like, you know, if they know who Cad Bane is, then they know the, Cad, the atrocities Cad Bane is 
has uh, committed. Yeah. Which makes his idea of Boba Fett's a cold-blooded killer hold less weight, of course. Yeah. I think, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Clearly, Cad Bane isn't trying to moralize himself. He, it's honestly smart, you know? He's just trying to sow the seeds of doubt, Yeah. you know? Which I think is going to backfire on him, actually. Plant but... the seed of doubt. Um, it is a bit of a... I just found it to be a bit of a... Um, I guess a curb your atrocities moment, you might <laughs> yeah. say, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of went bum 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 you know like yeah. that that kind of that kind of meme after no after, I, that, um, after you said that my favorite um, part is you've got you sticking your nose in the wrong place and take oh, yeah. it from me a guy who has no nose <laughs> yeah i mean Chad Vane, like in the clone wars he shoots someone he shoots someone kills them so that he can take their his hat. hat he can take their hat like my favorite part is the Corey Burton just... line delivery in that episode. What? It's a, it was a nice hat. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that was a great episode. I love talking about that one as well. Um, on cut. I mean, yeah. And I want to get your opinion, Eli. One other thing. I know we should probably be moving on sooner yes. rather than later. But I feel comfortable talking about this episode a bit because this was a bombshell episode. Hell yeah, it was. I still don't feel comfortable with how Ahsoka is being represented in live action i i could i could rant about this for a long Here time we go. i know i have a lot of feelings about this i'm gonna i'm gonna keep this short and disclaimer i'm not talking about i'm not talking about the appearance i know the montrals were shrunken for practicality so i'm not i'm not like oh they're not long they should be longer i understand the reasoning um but surely if they made a whole side note surely if they made a whole cgi deep fake luke they could have CGI'd some head tails, but that's neither here nor there. My confusion is with the way Ahsoka is being brought to life. To me, it just doesn't feel like anyone in the writer's room, the director's chair, maybe Rosario Dawson, is making a consistent effort to have Ahsoka be somewhat in line with the versions of her we saw in the Clone Wars and Rebels. And I understand... I understand that it's a it's a different actress. I understand that that her voice is not going to sound the same. I understand that her mannerisms, the way the way she expresses herself, is not going to be exactly the same as it was in animation. But if you look at how other characters carry over through the years, you look at Obi Wan with you and McGregor, you and then, or I guess backwards from that, Alec Guinness to you and McGregor, like something like that. It felt it feels much more similar something like that does then ahsoka does to me i feel like just her mannerisms the facial expressions the intonations the cadence the timbre of her voice none of it just doesn't feel like ahsoka to me and, it, and it's weird and i and i'm mystified why more people aren't talking about it maybe maybe it just really bugs me for some reason um but you know granted it has been 10 years since we saw ahsoka in rebels but I feel it's like been she's 10 just ten years. Wow. Yeah. No way down. One, one BBY, ten... one BBY nine eight. Oh, oh, in universe. Oh, okay. In universe. In universe. I'm like in Rebels universe. was really that long ago. <laughs> no, no, no. If Rebels was that long ago, I would, I would, I would just, I, I would be, I would be gobsmacked. Has been five years, over five years though since Rogue One. Let that one sink in. <laughs> that one hit that me hard. One. I, I, I didn't quite know what to make of that one. It feels like yesterday I saw it with you for the first time. Oh yeah. Um, but. Ahsoka just doesn't like her feel as a character isn't similar. 
she doesn't have i don't know she it doesn't feel like she has the same benevolent air i guess and and the fact that it's a different actor i i think shouldn't really be a a valid excuse obviously there being plenty of examples ewan mcgregor um jit for obi-wan ian mcgarmid and ian abercrombie for palpatine so i guess my main concern is just why doesn't she sound a little more like ahsoka with how she talks i understand that not sure i agree but i understand (laughs) anyway what would would your take be do you just not do you not mind i don't really mind i think that Mm. uh the portrayal of ahsoka the writing of, of ahsoka is pretty good and i think ultimately she's been in like parts of two episodes of the show yeah, I don't she's think got, she's got time to breathe. Like, she's yeah, got, she's got I, I don't. Room. I think it's a little, at least for me, a little too early to judge exactly how good Ahsoka is right now, based yeah. on parts of two episodes. Um, yeah, but I think I think when we get Ahsoka, the Ahsoka show, yeah, then we'll be really able to put. We'll it. get more room. We'll get more, more of her in the forefront. Maybe she'll. Maybe maybe I'll come around. Maybe I'll. I hope I'll come around because anyway. I really like Ahsoka and I wanna, I wanna enjoy her. Uh, portrayal but let's get back to the clone wars um yes let, let's take it back let's take it back let's take it back in the lost ones plo Koon finds the shuttle belonging to the late jedi master sifo Dyas, discovered crashed on the moon of the pike homeworld of obadiah the jedi launch into their investigation their revamped investigation of the death of Master Psychodias. Unfortunately, we find that the office of the Chancellor has locked information about Psychodias' death. Um, so Yoda tries to talk to Chancellor Palpatine, who directs him to Chancellor, ex-Chancellor Valorum. They talk to ex-Chancellor Valorum, and Anakin and Obi-Wan journey to the Pike homeworld of Obadiah, where the Pikes have imprisoned Chancellor Valorum's personal aide, who was in the crash. Then, of course, Dooku shows up, ties up the loose end by killing the personal aide before he can give the Jedi information. A crazy duel ensues. And then they report back to the Jedi Council, who are closer than ever to putting together this huge mystery. But of course, the plans are already in motion, and it is far, far too late. Absolutely. Our fortune cookie is what is lost is often found i think this is a great fortune cookie not so much because of its message because it has some in my opinion some special insight into the episode but because it's such a good description of how a lot of these later clone wars episodes play out you know with ahsoka to a greater extent the fives arc and of course with this episode with the lost one we see over and over again the clones and the jedi specifically the jedi getting so close to uncovering the mystery or uncovering the mystery uncovering the plot to destroy the republic only it's too late or they stop just short of actually figuring out what the heck is going on yeah i i like the fortune cookie as well um i also thought of this this is funny um, so, uh, you know, 
it, it, it looks like a truism at first, but the, the deeper you dive into it, the more you get out of it. My favorite little thing I, I thought about, what is lost is often found. Well, you know what was something that was lost and also, but then later found? Season 6 of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Um, it, and I really love that little development where, where it's, it's a self-referential thing. I think that's really cool. Um, and yeah, I also think, you know, um, you know, it's, this episode and this arc about, are a lot about finding things, not only literally, but metaphorically that are lost, finding okay. things that are lost in the, that, you know, I, I, I talked about, I think this was, um, it's either this episode or next episode, I think, about how this arc seems like an apology from the characters on the way they've acted in seasons one through five. That is a very good way to describe it, especially for Yoda, as I think we will get to. Yeah. I think that's an excellent way to describe it. It it feels like Yoda's starting to come around. Um, Mace Windu, especially in the deserter, and not the deserter, disappeared stuff, a little bit, but Yoda definitely in this, where it feels like they're starting to realize the error of their ways, just not fast enough, and then they regress in time for Adventure of the Sith to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's what this that's what a lot of the lost missions and late episode, sorry, and late season five feels to me. It feels like all these characters coming so close to enlightenment, to finding the error in their ways, fixing it for the better. And then they just don't. Yeah. They just don't. They, that's they how just, that's how a lot of this feels to me. They just they just fail to do that, yeah. Um uh let's see. Um Do we want to talk about this opening? I think this opening scene is awesome. It it's feels great. like the Star Wars version of going down to the bottom of the iceberg meme. I love how the armor of the clones is evolving. Everything is spot on. The music is absolutely chilling. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I, there's a specific shot, and I think it's maybe my favorite shot, maybe, of this entire arc, possibly. And it's Plo Koon digging up Sifo Dyas's lightsaber and picking it up and, ignite, ignite, and igniting it. And I was thinking about the metaphorical significance of this moment, and it, was, it goes back to what I was talking about, about the Jedi are very hesitant to acknowledge their past. But Despite being so deeply rooted in tradition yeah, and paradox. But, but Plo Koon is not only acknowledging the past. No, 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 no. He's looking for it. He's searching for it. He's actively seeking it out. And uh, this is actually the when I was talking about this in my notes. This was when I was talking about the whole apology idea. Where the Jedi are starting to realize that maybe some of the things they've been doing throughout this war haven't actually been helping them. Now, of course, the tragedy of this is they don't realize it too that um, it, they don't realize it quickly enough, or and they don't realize it like well enough. But that yeah. doesn't mean they don't realize it at a certain point. Yeah, and they really do realize it, especially with the plot. They're like, like it, it God, shit gets crazy in this yeah. arc. It's crazy, like watching this arc. Like you realize, wow, the Jedi really realize that they're up. They really realize that they're up shit creek without a paddle. They just they they have to stay the course because 
they don't have another option and they don't actually know who the Sith Lord is. Yeah. Um, it's insane. And 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 there's this there's this line at the end of the episode that perfectly does this for me. Uh, there's a few lines that ending council scene just to jump ahead a little bit. Um, uh, I think Yoda says, hmm, and our enemy created an army for us. And then Mace Windu asks him, are you sure we are taking the right path? And Yoda says, the right path, no. The only path, yes. And this I mean, is where they get it wrong. This is where they get it crucially wrong at the wrong moment. Because yeah. Yoda doesn't realize that they actually do have other options. Yeah, but that, that hits the nail on the head right there. That is... That that is exactly what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah, it's... they know they know something's up, but they don't really. It's too late, basically. They're too far gone. Yeah, it, it's it's this is this is the tragedy I really like, and I, I this hits me a little bit more personally. Like I love Siege and I love Revenge of the Sith, and I love all of the tragedy that plays out in Siege Mandalore and Revenge of the Sith. But I think this tragedy is a bit more poignant to me because. The characters almost realize that the tragedy is about to happen. Yeah, I think that is what is so tragic about the later episodes of... That's what's so tragic to me about season five, season six, the siege arc of the Clone Wars is... Watching watching Attack of the Clones and then watching Revenge of the Sith, it's just like, no, it's like watching, it's like watching a car crash. Watching season five, season six, season seven of the Clone Wars, that's like watching the car crash with in slow motion, 10 times over with in-depth analysis of every single mistake the driver made. And the engineers in the, made. In the two, every single mistake the drivers made, the engineers of the car made, the cars around it made, every single little decision, every single little happening by chance that led up to this car crashing. Yeah. That's I, what it's, it's like. A, it's a great analogy, and I, I agree with that. It's, it's, it, and I apologize if that was too morbid. But that's that is what it feels like to hey, me. You know what? Let's just it, say it let's works. just say it was a car crash where like no one was injured. Let's just yeah, say that. But anyway, um, though I don't know. Order sixty six. Let's let's anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Um, and there's a, there then there's that line after they take the stuff back to Coruscant. They're having a council meeting. Um, and they're acknowledging one of their mistakes, and Obi Wan goes, "Well, it's not not well, well, it's not the first time we've been wrong recently, is it?" And I'm like, "That is and a throwaway line, but that yeah. is a crazy throwaway line." Is it a throwaway line though? Like more than you know, Obi Wan, so yeah. much more than you know. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that hits. That one hits. Yeah, and and I um. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Ahsoka's trial, I think, maybe was what they were referring to, was what he was referring to, at least. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, the tragedy of this arc playing out is, is, and, but the beauty in it is so crazy to see. 
There's one question I have just for this general arc, and this is the only problem I have with this arc. Literally the only problem. No one has anything better to do? What do you mean by this? I mean, Yoda's the Grandmaster of the freaking Jedi Order, but he goes on a spirit journey to evade, to, to find out how to cheat death for three episodes because Qui-Gon spoke to him. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of a perfect description of the problem the Jedi face, which is they're kind of this mystical, mysterious organization and they kind of have to be able to do whatever they want. But they have also, through centuries, millennia at that point of political maneuvering and tradition, they have roped themselves into basically being police and detectives and SEAL teams and the Coast Guard and forensic scientists like doing everything for the republic they basically are at the republic's beck and call and that that is kind of the tension that i think that i think you pointed out yeah and and and, and but but it annoys me all the time where you know they're pay, placing like mace windu and obi-wan and yoda and anakin there seem to be just available on speed dial for everything yeah 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 when it's just like there's a war! I mean, come on! Fight the war! Yeah, it kind of feels it feels a little bit like what if the, the White House chef called up the president and was like, hey, Mr. President, would you mind running out and, and getting me some eggs? We ran out, you know? Yeah. But that's, that, that's, that's a, a, that's a good metaphor. Like. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, like they... And um, Yoda and Mace Windu call upon the, gal the galaxy's favorite pair of troublemakers... Anakin and Obi-Wan to go to Felucian and investigate this out. Because apparently when the Jedi want anything done, they just turn to Anakin and Obi-Wan. But, like, they're battlefield generals. They're revered battlefield generals. You're telling me that Dooku is not scheming or plotting anything at the moment that needs their attention. Frankly, frankly, you could say the same thing about Dooku. Actually, that's the funny part. You could say the same thing about Dooku, frankly. Like... He has time, apparently, to just waltz on over to Obadiah, you know, conveniently kill Silman and a bunch of the Pikes, and just leave. Like, he's not, like, the leader of a separatist movement. Okay, but to be fair, he does say, to be fair, they do acknowledge this in the episode where Sometimes said, things yeah. are just that important. And that is kind of, that's, that was one of my favorite moments, this amazing, I thought that was an amazing one-liner. Sometimes... I'm gonna say it too because I love it so much. Yeah. Things are just that important. Like, yeah, it's it's great. Man, what a line! Like, Dooku, Dooku knows he knows that he has henchmen all over the galaxy doing his dirty deeds, but he also knows that he can pull up like a total badass and just wreck everyone, and like he can just throw it down whenever he wants. Yeah, is awesome. I um, love I love Dooku in this. Uh, in yeah. this episode but going back um to after after the aftermath of the the discovery how does the chancellor's office the chancellor's office have the authority to lock jedi records that's what i'm saying when when i i think that the jedi made a mistake by being too closely intertwined with the republic 
Although it's a hard thing to resist doing, I, I can imagine. I want to talk about specifically about Sidious and Duga for a second. Oh yes, their interaction was. Their interactions are crazy. First of all, crazy. nobody likes to point with this about about Sidious, but this is cra- Sidious is crazy. Let's acknowledge that City that, that that Dooku, you know, takes on Anakin and Obi Wan, and like just stalemates them this episode. Okay. Yeah. And then let's talk about how Sidious force chokes him from halfway across the galaxy. It's amazing, and even before that, obvious that that is obviously the 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 crowning moment. It's it's incredible. It's after after an entire show of building up Dooku to be so so powerful, and only a few moments. There's only a few moments ever in the show. I think maybe the Ventress moment is the only moment before this where we actually see Sidious kind of forcing Dooku to bend to his will and do something he doesn't want to do. To just just have him be like, eliminate them. Like, man, whenever whenever Palpatine tells Dooku to eliminate something or someone, that's when you know, that's when you know it's about to get real. Yeah. Also, by the way, I do have one more logistical question about this episode that I'm really annoyed about. All right. Why do Dooku and Sidious not seem to know who Sifo Dyas is? Yeah, I mean... Like, they should know that. I mean, at least Dooku should know that. I mean, Dooku killed the guy, and I think they were close as, like, fellow apprentices. Yeah. It's 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 interesting, for sure. Um, I don't know. It, yeah, it's really strange. Um, also, by I, the way... I, I guess if you're someone like Sidious, I mean... He's, he's probably a pretty busy guy. That's I understand, but this is your master plan we're talking <laughs> I know, about. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, no, I joke. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, that one might have slipped through the cracks. Yeah. But, I mean, also, also, by the way, um, speaking of other things, what is it with Palpatine and pronunciation? Did you catch the pronunciation thing? I did not. Oh, well, that has to be addressed by my predecessor, Chancellor Valorum. Yeah. He says I mean, he was Valorum. So... Palpatine was peak Palpatine in this episode. Because right before he turns around and goes full Dark Lord mode on Dooku and Force chokes him, he does the best job ever of stonewalling Yoda. He, the fact that he pretends to forget who Sifo Dyas is, he's like, whoever this Jedi is, this... this and he lets Yoda finish. Well, his it's not that he's Sifo-Dyas. pretending to forget who Sifo Dyas is. I think he. I think he is. I no, think because then, because because then he calls Dooku and he says, "What do the Jedi want with a, with this Sifo Dyas?" Intimating that he does not so know you, you who Sifo Dyas actually, is. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe he actually doesn't. But in either way, he does such a good job of knowing that he knows. He knows way, it's he knows, important, but he doesn't know. He knows. Uh oh, yeah. the Jedi are sniffing around. I don't know why. Maybe maybe I don't know why. Maybe right, Eli. I think you may be right if you if I didn't pick that up. Um the Jedi but the Jedi are sniffing around and we don't want the Jedi to be sniffing around. He does such a good job of he's like, Oh well I can't help you. You're gonna have to go to Valorum's office. What are what are the odds that Valorum actually actually lock those those records? I don't know. I mean I mean with with the knowledge that with the possibility that 
Palpatine actually didn't know, and it was all he just kind of told Dooku to go do it. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's confusing. Confu- maybe it is. Maybe it is an actual. Maybe there is an actual mis misstep in this episode with him insinuating that he doesn't know who Sifidius is when he's talking to Dooku, because then he says he, he goes on to say like this is really important and this is a shock. He basically says. Dooku, I'm shocked by this oversight. I'm shocked that you yeah. couldn't cover this up better. So, but why would we, you know, why would he be shocked if he didn't know who this guy was? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just a yeah. a little bit of a a miss yeah. cue we from c- that line. We could also say, like, again, this is just overcorrecting things. You could also go like, I can imagine Palpatine going, "So, Dooku, this Sifo Dyas guy, remember him?" Yeah, maybe he's maybe he's being sarcastic. Maybe he's being he's like, like this Ring a bell. Ring a bell, man. What's going on with him? You remember that? Yeah, you remember. Um, yeah. Uh, also, by the way, my favorite. This is another funny part of this episode when uh, uh, Minister Lompike says to um, Obi Wan, "I cannot remember the last time we had a Jedi here." And then Spice just snorts out of his nose. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I think that explains itself, frankly. Yeah. Do we want to? Do we want to move on to the Obadiah scenes? Uh, I, I feel like great. I was kind of already there, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. For sure. For sure. I'm just. I'm just making sure because. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. Let's see. Um, so, the Obadiah scenes. Obadiah. Obadiah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think. I say Obadiah, but everybody says Obadiah in the episode. I don't care. I don't think there's really an established right or wrong in this in this case. Um, yeah. The Pike's Palace is awesome. Yeah. I think the visuals are so cool. Um, Here's something that's going to shock you, actually. I looked this up. I did my research on this. This is the Pike's 10th year in existence. What? They've only been around for 10 years in the mean? Star Wars universe. Hold on. The Pike Syndicate. The Pike Syndicate. Okay, I can only assume then that the Pike Syndicate is like... The um, what's Maul's group called? Crimson the Sh- Dawn. The, the Crimson Dawn. Wait, what's the Shadow Collective then? I thought that's it was his. The that's his super group of. That's his conglomerate that he forms to take over Mandalore. So the Crimson Dawn is his. His crime group. syndicate that he does in Solo. Oh, the Shadow Collective. So the Crimson Dawn comes after the Shadow Collective. The Shadow Collective is him bringing together like the Pikes and the Black Sun and that stuff. Yeah. And the Black Sun is um, Prince Shizor's group in Legends. The Faline, right? yeah. The Faline, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I think Shizor's okay. canon, Just... actually, now. Really? He's canon I... now, wow. There's a reference the to him in some thickens. book, I think. They really, they've thought of everything. Wow. Just making sure I have my crime family straight, because I can only assume that this is some kind of shadow collective. I can only assume that the Pike Syndicate is a super group in and of itself, if it's only been around for 10 years. Because the way they're talked about and the way they're portrayed throughout Star Wars is that they're so powerful and that they kind of have their hand in every cookie jar. Yeah, for me, it's crazy because I, I think of the Pikes as the number two crime syndicate in the galaxy behind the Huts. Yeah. The Huts have been around since 1983. The Pikes have been around since 2012. Are you, ta- are you talking about out-universe? No, yeah, out-of-universe. I'm talking about out-of-universe. Oh, 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 oh. I, I thought you meant in-universe, the Pikes had only no, no, been... No, 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 Out-of-universe. I meant out-of-universe. The Pikes Syndicate has only been in Star Wars content for 10 years. 
which really? is actually pretty crazy. From 2012. 2012. That's really interesting to me because in, they have a few parts in the Clone Wars, but it's interesting that in Boba Fett, in Book of, in Boba, in Book of Boba, in Solo, they're kind of starting to pick up with the Pike content, and it's exciting in, to in me. In Clone Wars, in Bad Batch? Yeah. And they're bringing, I, I think it's very exciting that they're kind of bringing more of the stuff that started in animation and, and bringing that in and giving more people reasons to uh to go back absolutely I, I agree with that i just find it like nuts because they had 29 extra years to develop the huts as the number one yeah and then in 10 years they go from animation to multiple live action things not just maybe, one multiple maybe the huts need some more on-screen canon love maybe the huts I mean, need some more love because yes they get a lot of love already and but the twins we see individual huts, but I feel like we already, in 10 years, at least in canon, we already, on screen at the least, disclaimer on screen, because I can't possibly know everything there is to know in Legends, in the comics, in everything in that the exists. the expanded canon. It's impossible to know. But we know a lot about individual huts. We don't know that much. And I think we know less about the Pikes, even in these 10 years that the Pikes have been around um about how the crime family actually works like what are the politics how do they, how does it really run we know there's a hut council and that's about it like how many huts are there actually you know yeah the, we like, get a few glimpses of that in season four of the clone think, three of the clone wars but yeah. yeah not enough i think the the huts could really just benefit from i don't know just one or two focused long focused hour-long episodes worth of world building like if we just had one or two book of boba episodes like you know you had the book of boba episode episode five they're just like okay we're gonna focus on din jaren if they just had one or two of those episodes where they're just gonna be like okay we're gonna focus on the huts i think that would be amazing and i would do a lot for them yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, maybe not in Book of Boba specifically, but I think that, like, Book of Boba Yeah, not style in Book of Boba stuff. specifically, obviously. But like, yeah, yeah. That kind of style. No. That kind of exposition heavy, but also still very interesting style. Yeah. Um, do we want to end it here for... Um, I have, like, I have maybe 10 more minutes, 15, let's see. No, no I, I I was gonna I was gonna planning on ending in like five minutes. I, I'm saying like, uh, do do we want to end our talk on this episode here? Is what I was trying to say. Uh, no, I have I have a little bit more to say. We got to talk about the duel. Oh, okay, sure. Yep. The duel. Um, I hope I hope you didn't forget the duel, Eli. Um, yeah. If you don't have a lot to say about that, that's fine. But I want to go I, ahead. I gotta, go ahead. I got to gush about this duel because at this point in the story, you know, we we get the scene with the aide. It's cool. He's I don't know. Selman. Star, War Star Wars Gollum, anybody? Star Wars Gollum? Like, I don't yeah. know. It's fine. But then Dooku comes in. Every moment that Dooku is in this episode, my hair stands on end. I get goosebumps. It is the most amazing thing ever. This made me so happy. It was... Oh, it was just perfect the way they played Dooku in this episode. His entrance, that one-liner, sometimes things are just that important. 
and the duel there this duel is so underrated it is so packed with symbolism now feel free to jump in here and add your own add your own spin at any time Eli. i mean because we got these three incredibly powerful super skilled and trained force users absolutely going at it they're leaving nothing on the table it almost to me upstages the duel in revenge of the sith with these three the choreography is so tight i know that I had a problem with a lot of the duels in the early Clone Wars, but just the movement and the fluidity has gotten so much better. At first, I thought it was super robotic. At this point, it's just the perfect blend of, yes, it's stylized, but it also just, it moves so well and it's so smooth. It is, it is absolutely mesmerizing. I agree and, with a lot of what you're saying, and I also think there was something else I was going to say. God darn it, I'm forgetting now. Uh, shoot, it was about Dooku, and it was about dueling, it was about... Oh, yeah, it was about this. So there's a funny, like, plot hole, plot hole that people have been pointing out about the whole... My powers have doubled since the last time we met Dooku. And at the time, that was supposed to mean My powers have doubled since we met on Geonosis, Dooku. Yeah. But... Now it means... Since, like... Five months, months ago. ago. Yeah, five yeah. months ago. Let's but I months. think actually that makes the scene better because it's like, we only fought five months ago and in that time my powers have doubled. And Duke is like, listen here, you little shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's excellent. Um, and I think just the emotions and the symbolism of this duel are so amazing. You know, this duel, the sense of urgency to me is amazing. Obi-Wan doesn't have to go on the offensive, but he does. In this duel, we see Anakin starting to give into his rage just a little bit, getting just that 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 extra bit of aggression over the line where you're seeing you're saying is this a Jedi? Even Obi-Wan, you know, desperate to get to the bottom of this mystery, he's going he's going hard, he's going aggressive. The opening stances though Again, so representative. Obi-Wan holding his blade up and close to his body, very defensive. Anakin, his blade is down and held away from his body. He's ready to attack. Eli, I don't know if you noticed this moment for the, the Star Wars mobile gamers out there. This duel is where we get the animation for General Kenobi's mass assist ability. Really? Yeah, it lead the charge. Him, we see him do the lead the charge. We see him do a lead the charge, and it is incredible. This duel is just everything for me. I think we can even see here that even the great Obi-Wan Kenobi, master of Form 3, Sarisu, master of the Force, even he, I think, in this duel is just slightly outmatched by Dooku, and we see that with him falling, falling off, almost falling off. We see him get thrown off balance. And only Anakin, by his great power and also just by tapping into his rage and the dark side just a little bit too much that's how anakin is able to go toe to toe with dooku yeah it, and that it, is just perfect. it's an incredible duel i think the visuals on the passenger liner is like ridiculous like how they're just like how how like anakin jumps that huge distance with the help of obi-wan and then they're just and, and, and then they're just flying through the air and dueling, and Dooku's pulling out all the stops, and so is Anakin. It's it's a crazy duel. Yeah. 
And the best, the best moment for me, maybe not the best moment, but it's such a good exit. How Dooku, after he, after he jumps onto his own, um, his own ship, the, uh, I don't solar know his, name. his solar sailor. I was going to say the soulless one, but no, that's a Punworka. Grievous's. Is Punworka one four? Yes, yes, it's Punworka one fourteen. Eli, wow, coming can... through with all the trivia references today. Let's clap it up, clap it up for Eli. Um, the way he takes that extra second just to stand on the ramp and stare Anakin down instead of running in the door as the ship is flying away, like the the way it builds up their rivalry is it... is incredible. It's great. It's it's awesome. Uh, yeah, I I I love this episode. It's funny because this is my least favorite episode before, which is really? not a criticism of this episode. It just means that it only gets better. No, it's a testament to how freaking good this arc is. Yeah, how insanely criminally underrated it is. It's I can't so criminally underrated. In voices, Yoda begins hearing the voice of the long-lost Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn. He is very perplexed by this, and it is very persistent. Um, so eventually, after much consternation, he comes to the council, and they do a giant group meditation to look for Qui-Gon's spirit, essentially. They don't find anything. Yoda doesn't hear any more voices, and he decides to or the jedi the jedi doctors decide to put him into a, a sensory which is essentially a sensory deprivation chamber to allow him to go into an extremely extremely deep meditative state where his body is on the verge of depth but his his mind can go deeper and deeper into meditation and into the cosmic force um this does not pan out however um and uh, Yoda is taken out of this state. He is placed in the Jedi Infirmary. Um, however, he uh, he recruits Anakin, of all people, to help him escape from the infirmary because Qui-Gon has told him that he needs to go to Dagobah, and he journeys to Dagobah. Absolutely, he does. Our fortune cookie is Madness can sometimes be the path to truth. Mm. What, do you, what do you make of this one? I didn't have a I, lot to... I'm gonna go... I'm just gonna say it. This one does not work for me. Mm. There's actually a quote in the... There, there's an actual quote in the episode. Um, uh, I feel like it was. Where was it? It'll be later on. Um... Oh, I found it. We'll we'll go we'll go um it we'll talk about it later on that actually makes a better fortune cookie than this fortune cookie. But yeah, I didn't really I, I'm stuck on this one, honestly. Mm. Yeah. I didn't have a lot to say about it. Um I think that it would be a bit weird to label what Yoda is experiencing as madness. Although I guess it, I, I guess from an outside perspective, it could certainly look that way. So I don't know. Let's 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 uh, let's jump over that. Let's jump into this episode because this is this is a very juicy juicy episode. And Eli, I I expect that you are gonna have a lot to say because this type of episode, this uh, force shit, as you would say, is right up your alley. It is. And I 
had a lot to say as well. So where do you want to where do you want to crack this one open? Um, I want to um. I want to talk about Force Ghost because this is technically the first canonical appearance of the Force Ghost. Really? I mean, technically, Qui Gon speaks to Anakin through the Force as a Force Ghost in two, and also he appears on Mortis. But like in terms of like the actual ability and the actual mechanics behind it, this is like the first. In in canon. In canon, yeah. In legends, I assume there must have been a lot of. Oh yeah, absolutely. Force Ghost action, you know, you know they, you know they wouldn't shy away from that in legends in like old republic stuff yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely um first canonical first canonical force ghost qui-gon jim but he can't actually appear because his training was incomplete that's what he tells the other right yeah and um you know i this is one so i gotta say the force ghost ability in my opinion is my favorite of the force abilities how come because every time there is a Force Ghost scene in Star Wars, for me, it is an automatic banger of a scene. Like, mm. they just have the ability, for some reason, to make every scene better. Um, like, I was I was writing down in my notes all the Force Ghost scenes I was thinking of. You know, like, um, when Ben tells Luke not to go rescue his friends in, um, in Empire. Banger scene. Yeah. Um, ben explaining uh, Luke's turn... Uh, Ben, ben explaining Anakin's turn to the dark side um, to Luke in Return of the Jedi. Banger scene. Uh, the three ghosts on Endor. Banger scene. Uh, Luke and Yoda, Last Jedi. Banger scene. Luke and Rey, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Banger scene. Be with me. Banger scene. You know, like, all of these things are yeah. just, like, yeah. great scenes, and I love them so much. And um, I, I, I'm very interested in, you know, looking at, you know... Even though Ben is dead, even though Luke is dead, even though Yoda is dead, they yet to still manage to impart some wisdom as much need, needed time to their friends and students. Um, and I, and hey, I, think yeah. it's a, I think it's really cool. I dig it. I dig it a lot. And I, I like what you're saying here. I think you bring up some good points. I mean, yeah, for, Force Ghosts are freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, one thing that stuck out to me in this, in this, in this first scene in the opening when Yoda says, on the precipice we are. Yeah. That just hits me so hard because the Jedi were anything but oblivious, especially these four episodes. It really changes the way we see Revenge of the Sith because they were anything but oblivious to the fact that there was a plot, the fact that things were not as they seemed. You know, Mace Windu is saying, I feel the shadow of something greater. Like, they're so close. It's heartbreaking. They're so close, but they, they just, it's just too late. And Palpatine's plans, Palpatine's plans are just that well laid. That yeah. Is, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I realized I should probably preface a lot of my notes um, specifically with this episode. And I think next episode as well by saying, I'm going to be referencing one sequence from a Star Wars movie a lot in this episode. So I'm just going to put a heads up for... Um, all our listeners, I'm going to be mentioning the Dagobah sequence with Luke and Yoda <laughs> from Empire Strikes Back a lot here. I don't um, know you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very it, it's very potent and it's very um, like important for this sequence. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's everything said in this arc. It, like like the richness of everything that's spoken in this arc is so great. The script writing is so interesting. 
Um, uh, I also really like, this is another thing, you know, Yoda, Yoda shouldn't be bad with the force. He's not. He's an incredible force wielder. But I love he seeing him struggle with the force in this arc. Yeah, that's something. You can Sorry, get as old as Yoda, as wise as Yoda, as powerful as Yoda, and yet you still have things to learn. That's something that I really liked about these episodes is we see Yoda from a different angle, especially in this episode, especially going forward when he is actually grappling with the unknown and the edges, the, the edges of his wisdom. We see where even Yoda is outside of his comfort zone and is facing the unknown. And, and after seeing Yoda so much as kind of the all-knowing, old, wise, talking frog Jedi Master, it, it is a really compelling look, I think, at the character. Yeah, there's that line that the Force Priestess tells Yoda in Destiny, the next episode, where... Where she goes, deep down, you felt like we had nothing to teach you. Uh, yeah. And y and Yoda's been teaching for so long, and I think he's forgotten how to how to learn, how to grow as a Jedi, because he's just yeah. never needed to. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it that it's a, it's a great little it's a great juxtaposition and a little conundrum that we put Yoda in in this arc. Um, uh, I, can I go talk about the garden? Yeah, let's, let's the talk about Jedi The Jedi garden gets sure. a lot of emphasis in this arc. I don't know if you, I don't know if you realize this, but, um, we see it three times in this arc. Yeah, I think, I think the Jedi garden, it, it kind of represents, at least here to Yoda, what the Jedi order should be or or how yeah. it is how i was saying normally, the tranquility I, I wrote down in my notes purity this is mm. the jet this is the jedi order at its purest this is the jedi order this is what they should be this is what they strive to be you know again remember does anything significant does anything like bureaucratic or political happen in the garden no where does it all happen in the physical, human-constructed buildings. Yeah. It's, it's happened in the, in the tower, in the spire. In, in, the, in the tower of the spire. It, it, there's, this is something that Dave Filoni's Star Wars does a lot, where the Force is often connected to nature. There's a yeah. big focus on the Force and the natural world. Uh, we see this, uh, one of the examples I'm thinking of is is the Star Wars Rebels episode, The Call, where yeah. Ezra mean, is... is connecting with the Force through nature. Yeah. Yeah, and this is one of those episodes where they really go into the, or I guess this arc, they really go into the concept of the living Force. Yeah. And they and they talk about not just, not just the Force, but they split it into the unifying Force and the living Force. And how cosmic Force. Sorry, the cosmic, the cosmic force and the, uh, I think the unifying force is the, um, I think the unifying I think that's force the legends. is legends. Yeah. I think the, the unifying force is kind of the legends version of the, the cosmic force. Although I think during one of our trivia things, maybe they were, maybe I had a question that had them separate. So I don't know. I'd have to research that one. Yeah. Cosmic force I, as a name. I like it better. 
it sounds i think it sounds better and it, it makes a lot more sense like thinking about the cosmic force yeah. it's easier to wrap your head around yeah. it the unifying force sounds a bit yeah. dumb honestly yeah it sounds like it, it gets the point across but let's be honest like a lot of things in legends is it cool sure does it sound a little bit silly maybe a little bit dumb yeah yeah it does <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah uh, i agree with that um le legends the thing about legends is often they have no limits so they don't know where to stop canon say what you want about canon they know where to stop yeah they do know where to stop um uh there's uh there's a quote i wanted to mention um uh yoda's talking with i think mace windu and mace windu tells him everything that we know about the force tells us that an individual retaining their identity after death is impossible and yoda says back everything that we know yes but what about what we know not that's such a huge moment for yoda right it, there it's that um, is such a huge to moment to connect it to dagobah Luke tries to lift the X-Wing. Doesn't happen. Yoda, he starts to walk away. Yoda lifts the X-Wing effortlessly. What does Luke say back? I don't believe it. Yoda replies, that is why you fail. Wow. The force Amazing is, connection. The, the, the Force is about believing. The Force is about, you know... With the Force, nothing's impossible. And... You know, I, yeah. I, I I like the idea that the idea that the bleh, I like the ideas that the episode is talking about about belief and how belief goes a long way in accomplishment. Yeah, I I love I love that moment for Yoda. You know, you you're saying you know when he says, "What about what we do not know?" Because again, that's Yoda confronting what his position as the Grand Master of the Jedi Order has kind of led him away from. Which is, embracing, which is embracing the fact that at its essence, the Force is kind of a wonderful mystery. Yeah. And it's embracing the unknown, embracing the fact that the Jedi don't know everything and that the Jedi doctrine doesn't know everything, which goes 100% against where the Jedi Order is at this yeah. moment, the, where it's steeped in tradition, it's super stuffy. You just reminded me of another quote from everybody's favorite Star Wars movie, uh, The Last Jedi, um, <laughs> uh, when Luke is training with Rey. And this is a line I go back to all of the time with the Force. And Luke, go, Luke says to Rey, to say that the Jedi control the Force is vanity. Can you feel that? The Jedi yeah. are starting to realize that they don't know everything about the Force and that that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah. And I think, there, I think that this is the moment when Yoda transcends kind of... This is the moment when Yoda is able to transcend the old Jedi Order and kind of just manage to stay clear of it going down in flames because he is able to realize to some extent the limitations of the Jedi Order He's able to. He's able to realize as he gets out of the bureaucracy for a little bit. Yeah. He's able to realize just kind of the, just how much he doesn't know. But but more importantly, that that's okay. 
that maybe that maybe Qui-Gon really is talking to him, even though the Jedi say that's impossible, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um I wanna talk about something. That this is All maybe right. my favorite thing from this episode. We get my favorite version of Yoda in this episode. Mischievous Gremlin Yoda. Yes, I love Mischievous Gremlin Yoda. Mischievous Gremlin amazing. Yoda is the shit, man. Yoda, you see Yoda, take it to him, I will. <laughs> it's incredible. Before we get to that, though, yeah. I want to talk about the group meditation scene. Yeah. For a little bit, because mm-hmm. this moment, like many others, like many others, I know I, I know I harp about goosebumps for these episodes, but like many other moments, this gave me goosebumps. I don't know about you, man. Something about it was so... I don't know what the word bittersweet almost it really reminded me like so many things did in this arc of rebels i guess even though this came first watching this watching this later on you see how rebels in so many ways pays homage to to these episodes but i digress so many powerful jedi coming together around yoda the way that they the way that they put their hands on each other's shoulders that to me it, it felt so emotional because this is the Jedi order. Everyone is cool and calm and detached and no one has any attachments, but here they are coming together to help Yoda, not just as a Jedi, but I think as a friend and the way that they're kind of breaking a little bit of that sense of decorum to do so is, um, is really, is really bittersweet to me. Do you want to get to this sensory deprivation chamber? Yes, absolutely. Which, by the way, very interested to hear your take. Is so stupid, but is so awesome at the same time. Like, yeah, like this is the worst idea the Jedi Council, like, and Yoda has. Like, they bring the the, the, the what they call it, like inches from death. They bring the Grand Master of the Jedi Order. Like, you know, if anything happened, if they messed up somehow, anyhow, they might have just killed Yoda. It's a it's a high it's a surprisingly high stakes scenario for the way that it's yeah played uh, played off. What I like most about the sensory deprivation chamber is that Yoda gets the vision of Qui Gon literally going, "Nope, this is not the way, buddy. Good try, but try again. Don't do this. This is not this is not how you're supposed to do it. I see where you're going with this. Nice try. Try another way." Yeah, and I mean, I think it is also indicative of where the Jedi are at this time, where instead of saying, okay, we're going to try and just, we're going to give Yoda space, just try and be in tune with the living force, be in tune with the cosmic force. They're saying, nope, we got to hurry this process along. So we're going to force it by putting it in a, in a tank and using technology to yeah. try and to try and get results in this living energy field, which I think is the, obviously the wrong way to, uh, to, to go about it, at least for my, my perspective yeah absolutely um i agree with that um it yeah um can now can we talk about mischievous gremlin yoda mischievous gremlin yoda is the best yoda yes when he's, so he's cheeky, in the infirmary yeah when he's cheeky with anakin and all that kind of um my um disobeying the council your expertise your expertise is <laughs> help yeah. me you can yeah, I mean, 
the the whole the whole scene the whole part with Yoda and Anakin it, to me it's just so it's so heartwarming it is and also so heartbreaking at the same time yes. because when Yoda says that he says disobeying orders your specialty is oh disobeying the council your specialty is you know we we really see with the way that Yoda clearly Yoda has so much love and respect and trust for Anakin but it almost never gets expressed and especially the fact that we see that Yoda admires Anakin and likes him in spite of in spite of his flaws and in spite of his friction with the council and and it's really a shame that that's never that never gets expressed because obviously maybe if Anakin felt more appreciated maybe if that had been more clear the appreciation that that people still had for him yeah maybe things would have gone a little differently Yoda is very distant which is I think a big problem with him yeah definitely but yeah I love cheeky Yoda yeah cheeky Yoda is this Yoda, prime Yoda Yoda puts so much weight on his shoulders especially in the Clone Wars that it is so refreshing to see him having fun with life. That's why ambush is so fun because it's mostly yeah, that's why cheeky ambush is Yoda. So fun. He's just being cheeky. He's, he's just, toying with his he, adventures. He's like he's just he's just doing things because he wants to the entire time. Yeah. And frankly, I love my favorite thing is Yoda and R two D 2s interactions in this arc because they are the two cheekiest motherfuckers when they want to be. Like they can oh my totally God. Yeah. be. By the way, I realized something. So Artu accompanies Yoda to Dagobah, which means when Luke goes to visit Yoda on Dagobah, Artu totally knew where he was going the entire time and just didn't tell him anything because he to be an asshole. Yeah. No, Artu Artu is the real master of trolling. Move over to Kenobi. I love that so much. I just realized that one. Oh, it's yeah, great. I know. I know there's so many there's so many tie-ins here. You can, yeah. You gotta love it. Uh yeah. By the way. I want to uh, give myself a little bit of credit, give myself a little pat on the back. Um, I described in my notes um, uh, the Jedi Garden as pure, and when Qui-Gon talks about Dagobah to Yoda, he says it's one of the purest places in the galaxy. Um, and, and why is that, of course? Because there's almost no technology, and it's all natural. It's all nature. This is something that I I I talked to you about earlier, and that I got we gotta um, we gotta we gotta talk about this because it's crazy, okay? Um, Qui Gon was dead to begin with. There's no doubt, whatever about that. The register of his burials was signed by Obi Wan Kenobi, the Jedi, the Chancellor, and the Republic. Palpatine signed it, and Palpatine's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Qui-Gon Jinn was dead as a doornail. If people are not familiar with that, it is an adaptation of the opening worlds of Charles Dickens' classic A Christmas Carol. This arc, specifically voices and quite a bit of destiny, is a Christmas Carol. Yoda is Ebenezer Scrooge, and this is him visiting the ghosts of his Christmas of his Christmas. I'm saying in quotation marks, past, present, and yet to come or future. Um, it, uh, and the evidence I have for this later on, and like the metaphorical stuff, is like crazy, and I love it so much. Yeah, it's amazing. 
Uh, and this it's weird also because I actually don't like the story of A Christmas Carol like that much at all. But I, I'm like, you can't, un I, I'm like, once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. So I'm like, oh, this is good. <laughs> Speaking of, by the way, Qui-Gon Jinn, let's, let's take our hats off to ne Liam Neeson, who kills yeah. it as Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, knockdown performance. Kills Absolutely it. Absolutely amazing. This could have been completely cheesy, but like... It wasn't, and yeah. Oh, it absolutely wasn't. Yeah, no, it was. It was great. It was amazing. Um, yeah. Do we want to get on to uh, the the arrival? Uh, sure. On Lego bar. Or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One thing that um, one thing that st sticks out to me immediately, obviously, Yoda telling R two to to, uh, to stay with the ship. Yeah. It's like poetry, you know. It rhymes. It rhymes. Yeah. Though, Every when does R2 not stay with the ship at this point? I know. Point? When does R2 not stay with the ship? Um, secondly, <laughs> what, what I, what I, watching uh, this episode. This is what I want R2 to do in, like, episode... If they ever make an episode 10 or something like that, I want the protagonist of episode 10 to say R2, and then he beats back, stay with the ship. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, they'll just be like, you know the drill, R2. <laughs> You know um, what to do. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for R two. He just gets he just gets put on ballet duty all the time. <laughs> he does. So fair for him. But this episode really made me realize in Rebels how much of Ezra's journey in Rebels, in regards to the Force, is kind of an homage to Yoda's journey. You know, Ezra in the in the Jedi Temple on Lothal in season one, creating his lightsaber, where he's following the light. Yoda also following the light here. That's a recurring motif throughout these episodes. Yoda's theme as well in this. It just gives me gives me goosebumps. It gives it me goosebumps every single time. And it's 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 great. It's amazing. Um, Can we talk about though the possible biblical reference in this episode? The oh way, the way all the glimmering lights just happen to land on the bush. Oh coincidence. Wow, that's what good. Oh, coincidence. That's really good. I did not notice that. That's really good. Yeah, that can't be by accident. That, that's, an, that's an interesting choice. That's like good. It. That's really, I really like that. Here's our fortune cookie for this episode. Here's the real fortune cookie. Uh, Yoda asks Qui-Gon if there's any hope. And Qui-Gon answers, there's always hope, my friend. Though it often comes in forms not looked for. That's a better fortune cookie. That's just a better fortune cookie. Like, you know, like, I'm thinking of, like, uh, the Skywalker twins, you know? That's hope in forms that is not, that, that is, that is not often looked for, you know? Um, it's, it's a major theme in the Rebellion era. Ahsoka Tano, the Bad Batch, Cal Kestis, Agent Callus, Han Solo, all examples in the Rebellion era, which we're quickly approaching, of Hope that comes in forms often not looked for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I wrote this too, and I think this is really cool. This ep this arc does a really great job in br in bringing original trilogy motifs into prequel trilogy context. Like we start yeah. to see how the original trilogy era could be possible. It could happen, which I like. Yeah, I, I, I am a, 
I'm a, I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of the way that they execute in this episode. Um, this episode especially, my goodness, what a beautiful episode. This is Qui-Gon's speech is, is amazing. And what he says is just so, so true. But that's about all I've got for this episode. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to uh, wrap it up yeah for this one unless you have uh, more to say a very very interesting detail um that is actually acknowledged by the official star wars website which is especially which is makes it especially interesting to me during the communal meditation scene the high council spire is set in the central or the high council chamber is set in the central spire of the jedi temple as opposed to in some other Clone Wars episodes, not all other Clone Wars episodes, but some other Clone Wars episodes that have the temple and the Phantom Menace, where it is where the council is actually in one of the corner, one of the four outer corner spires. That's really? I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Also, the design of the Jedi Doctor Rig Nima, who, uh, who's tasked with uh, examining Yoda and, and putting him in the deprivation chamber, is based on early concept art of Mace Windu. Interesting. The Phantom Menace. Also, Yoda's vision shows Shock T dying to Anakin's blade. However, this scene was actually cut after being shot. It was cut from Revenge of the Sith. Just one of the several times that Shock T is killed in star wars yeah i was about to say doesn't she have three different death scenes yeah she she does have three different death scenes Which she is... gets executed by grievous she's killed by anakin and i can't remember what the third one is in destiny yoda and r2d2 uh travel to uh according to qui-gon the place where life could have arisen um yoda is greeted by a force priestess um who um is one of five who symbolizes all of the emotions inside of a human being, inside of someone with the Force. Um, and uh, they take him through some tests. He's given three tests. He is confronted with a dark side shadow of himself, um, and he has to overcome that shadow and vanquish his own dark side. Um, he... Um, sees the dead bodies of Mace Windu, Petro, and a dying Ahsoka Tano, um, who confront him about all of his failures. But then he is brought into an alternate reality where the Clone Wars never happened, but he has to see through that. Um, and uh, finally, uh, he passes all of them, uh, but she wants he wants to see the true face of the Force Priestesses. And they take off their masks to show that they're all dead. They're all beings who have transcended into the cosmic force. Um, and uh, they tell Yoda through a spirit uh, that his final test awaits him on the ancient Sith planet of Moraband. Our fortune yes. cookie is, death is just the beginning. Which, I mean, well said. That is that is truly the Jedi way. Oh, I was gonna say, just I I, I wrote down. Jacob, what do all these characters have in common? Palpatine, Maul, Boba Fett, Echo, Trench, Ahsoka Tano, Maximilian Veers. 
mm, okay, Veers th throws me for a loop, but I'm still going to go with you thought I was dead, psych, I'm not. Yeah. Okay, explain the Veers one to me because now now you peak my curiosity. There, there was some can't just drop there was some conflicting like information as to whether Veers died when Hobby's um, snow speeder crashed into his ATAT. Oh. Uh, in some version he did, in some version he didn't. In canon, the answer is he is is that Veers did not die. So, um, but uh, of course, got to bring him back somehow. But yeah, like. And, and there's and and the, uh, yeah and, and Star Wars loves more than anything bringing characters back from the dead, which is actually a trend I'm really hoping they get rid of pretty soon because I, it's getting kind of boring, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh, only so many times you can like psych. Yeah. Most of up. those examples, honestly, are ones I don't like. I mean, Palpatine's a big exception. Ahsoka's a big extent exception. Boba actually has become a big exception. But I don't. I didn't like Maul really. I haven't seen anything that's convinced me about Echo yet. Trench was awkward. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. I was also thinking about like you know witnessing death. You know, mm. as awful as it was, learning of his aunt and uncle's murder gave Luke a new beginning. Yeah. Same thing about Ezra. Same thing about Ray. Um. Same thing, in a less positive way, about Anakin and his mother. Once again, like like you said last episode, Eli, mischievous gremlin Yoda is the best version of Yoda. Is best. Yoda. I love how calm and happy Yoda is when his ship is being taken over as he's flying into this nebula. I think he's just like cool. It's just so indicative of who he is as a person when he doesn't have all the pressure of the Jedi and the Republic and the war all on his shoulders. It's so bittersweet. But it is also nice to be able to see him find some some joy for a character that is so somber. And also it starts to help bridge us to who Yoda is in The Empire Strikes Back as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a lot less serious, let's just say. <laughs> Did you notice that Yoda um, gave his lightsaber to R2-D2 before he stepped out onto the world and he said, need this, I will not? Yeah. Your weapons, need them, you will not. From yeah. Empire Strikes Back parallels. on Dagoba, yeah. Um, I want to jump awesome. into something else, which is really strange. I don't know if you realize this, okay? Let me talk about Star Wars The Clone Wars, Destiny, and Disney Pixar's Inside Out. Mm. So, let me talk... So, so, Star Wars The Clone Wars gives us Force Priestesses that takes take the form of five different emotions. Joy... Anger, sadness, confusion, and serenity. The year after Disney Pixar Studios, which is owned by the same parent company as Lucasfilms is, releases their hit animated film <laughs> Inside Out, which goes inside the head of a preteen girl named Riley with the five emotions joy, anger, sadness, fear, and disgust. In both versions, there are five emotions, and three of them are the same. I mean, I'm not accusing anybody of plagiarism, but, like, that's crazy. They released right. within a year of each other. Like, what are the odds? Yeah, that really, that surprises me because you, I always think of the Clone Wars as being so much earlier than Inside Out, but th those later seasons really... It's a year. That's crazy. That is crazy to me. That is absolutely crazy to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... 
By the way, if anybody has not seen the movie Inside Out, please go see it. It's a great one. Yeah. It's one of it Pixar's is, it best. It is amazing. What do, what do you make of the first trial? Um, the first trial with the Dark Yoda. So, the first trial, here you go, here's, here's me back on my bullshit again. The Dark Yoda is Yoda's ghost of Christmas past. This mm. is what's been in Yoda all along, but he's refused to acknowledge it, just like Scrooge has not acknowledged the, like, the life he once used to live before he became this great, greedy miser and all that kind of stuff, and, uh... And, and greedy old man and all that kind of stuff, uh, and, you know, um, there's also a weird coincidence where after their first trials, um, and they take place in, um, in Destiny slightly out of order, but I'm fine with that because I, it, the metaphor still works, um, yeah. after their first trial, which is both the past for Yoda and Scrooge, both of them are like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, but the ghosts or the trials are like, Oh, you thought we were done after one? No, 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 buddy. We're we're going all three of them, okay? We got to do all of them, um, and it's only once they do all three that they really understand the error of their ways. Now, I'm not saying Yoda was as terrible of a person as Scrooge was in A Christmas Carol. I am saying that he goes on a similarly redemptive journey. As for the dark side, Yoda, it is inter- It's definitely um. Rem- very reminiscent of Luke and Dagobah for me, you know, facing the the darkness within um, within yourself. Yeah. But I, I I was more compelled. I was more compelled by the other the other trials, to be honest. Um, there 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 were there were some, uh, you know, like that. There's that quote, and I love this so much. Part of me you are yes, but power over me you have not. Through patience yeah. and training, it is. I who control you. Control over me, you have not. You know, there's this, these that very subtle, yeah, it, there's these very subtle distinctions where Yoda, you know, and this is, I think, Yoda's, one of Yoda's biggest lessons that he learned, that the Jedi are just, like, trying to ignore their anger, and that doesn't, that's not how that works. They don't, ignoring your negative feelings is not the way that works. You acknowledge them, you acknowledge that, Everybody has those, and it's normal to feel that way. And then you choose light. You know, there's that line from Master and Apprentice uh, that Qui-Gon says, um, I choose the light because it's there. I go to the... It's a, it's, going to the light side is not a choice you make once. It's a choice you make every day. Absolutely right. Um, and And that's what Yoda's needs to learn in this arc. I was very interested in the vision. First of all, you, did you notice the music? Did you notice the uh, the uh, Battle of the Heroes? Um, I did notice Echoes that. in there? Yeah. That was um, that was amazing. Yeah. This vision is so it's bleak. It's so bleak and so chilling. And it's amazing also how it kind of I guess for lack of a better, yes, Yoda is a little green talking frog. Uh, yes, he's a 900-year-old talking frog. But for lack of a better word, this humanizes Yoda so much. Because we see him in his anguish and his failure say, not strong enough I was. Stop this. I could not. Yeah. Even Yoda is tempted by 
that perennial insecurity that even Yoda cannot change their fate. Yeah, like that's crazy to me that even Yoda, this nine hundred year old Jedi master, even he, even he, has the same struggles that a twenty year old Anakin, a sixteen year old Ezra Bridger has. That's amazing to me. I wasn't I really strong like, enough. I really do with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and you know, um uh, let's go back to I think the most important part of the vision. He sees Mace Windu, he sees Petro, okay, fine, fine, fine. But who does he talk to? He talks to Ahsoka. Oh god, what a moment. His greatest failure since Dooku himself. Yeah. The one that got away. The one that got away. Ahsoka Tan. So this is so this is where my thing gets a little out of sequence. Because this is the ghost of Christmas yet to come. This is the future. Because mm. we know this is what will happen. Ahsoka, if I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Christmas Carol, is Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim is this young boy who um is the is the son of Scrooge's employee, Bob Cratchit. Um, and he represents, like, the innocence in the book. In the yeah. story. Ahsoka is Tiny Tim. Ahsoka, uh, and in the Coast of Christmas Yet to Come sequence, Tiny Tim is revealed in the vision of the future to have died. Um, and Ahsoka was, of course, revealed in that vision to have died, even though neither of those things actually happen in the future that Scrooge and Yoda actually see but it's a warning of the dire consequences that they can face if they don't change their ways um and there's and i don't know if you notice this too you know yoda is a very professional person he um uh, refers to people as master kenobi or master windu or padawan offy or something like that yeah whatever you did you notice he called her ahsoka when yeah, as she's dying, Padawan, Padawan, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Like yeah, that moment, that moment of desperation. Just another. I think that's just another way where this journey is what helps Yoda break out of the old Jedi, break out of the the Jedi Order as we know it in the prequels, and transcend to something greater. Yeah, I think that that that's just another little symbol of yeah. how that happens oh by the way if i could uh, continue my rant for a few veins because i didn't really oh, yeah, sure. I, I, I i realized that i didn't talk about qui-gon and why um qui-gon was important earlier qui-gon is the oh, yeah, ghost go of of scrooge's business partner uh, whose name is jacob marley who arrives in scrooge's um house before the three other ghosts to say hey scrooge you really messed up i know I've seen things now that I'm dead. Um, you really messed up. That's Qui-Gon to Yoda. Qui-Gon is Marley, and he's saying, you know, he co- he comes to Yoda before any of the trials do, and he says, Yoda, you gotta listen to me. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. want to get on to the next trial? I think maybe my favorite trial of all of them. Yeah, let's do it. The, uh... the Ghost of Christmas Present. Yes. Or the alternate present, you could say. Katuti takes Yoda to a place where the war never happened. And look where the setting is. The garden. It's the garden. Once again, I, I 
it's per it's such a perfect it, metaphor i think it's perfect this but but also can we just but, but let me stop right there can we can we talk about Kotuni? why was it Kotuni? just because does she i think i think as the padawan she as represents the innocence does she rep yeah she represents innocence that's what i thought but also what a funny choice like i i understand the callback to um the why was petro one of the people lying choice. dead though yeah, like petro like petro was just there referencing it i understand that we see um we see gunji um in the garden as well so i guess it makes sense but yeah this garden scene is Maybe just, it's like okay we gotta reuse some assets somehow <laughs> i gotta reuse some. we gotta we, we gotta make it a if I, if I could be a little cynical, we got to make it look like everything's tying together somehow. <laughs> anyway. But so, yeah, I mean, but, it's cool but, to see them. But like, yeah, there's no complaints a place for me. There, yeah, it's really cool to see them. There's a line that Yoda says to Luke on Dagobah in The Empire Strikes Back. Here we go back again. If you do what Vader did, if you choose the quick and easy path, you will become an agent of evil. This is offering Yoda the quick and easy path out of it. And, you know, uh, it's kind of the opposite with Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, because Scrooge is a very, um, is a very miserable old man, and this is showing him the wonder of everything, and he has to learn to embrace that. Yoda, it's showing him wonder, but he has to turn away from that, because that's not actually what's happening. Yeah. Um, and it's so heartbreaking. Like, it's amazing that he's able to turn away. Yeah. Because of the temptation of what's being offered there, yeah. where everything is just fixed, everything is okay. But then, of course, you get the iconic line wrong, this is lies, these images are. Yeah. And the most bone chilling moment I know I've look, take a shot for every time I say the word chill or chilling or chill in this episode or goosebumps. But this moment might be the most chilling of them all. Right when 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 he says lies these these images or wrong these images are lies whatever yeah. the way everyone just stops and stares at him murderously by the that way, is yeah. absolutely chill it's chilling by the way I want to pause for a second I get those goosebumps every time I need the highlights I need the highlights. Does Yoda does Yoda need the high neck? Does Yoda need the high neck? This is what this is, these are the hard hitting Star Wars series you come to this show yeah, for. <laughs> Not the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is gonna be like Travis Scott Star Wars. Not clickbait. <laughs> Not clickbait. <laughs> I I will I will reference this too um, because I'm gonna talk about this more later in the episode. I think probably, but Dooku mentions to Yoda in the vision. Um, facing off against a Tarentatech on Kashyyyk, yeah. which is a beast from the Star Wars video game Knights of the Old Republic, which I am actually currently replaying right now. I forgot how good that game is. Like, I know there are a lot of people who are like, who uh, are in our community who are like, ugh, legends and all that kind of stuff. I know, I know toxic fanboys might have ruined legends for some of you. Take it from me, a guy who loves Rise of Skywalker more than most Star Wars movies. When Legends is good, Legends slaps. Legends has a way of just transporting you like, yeah. like little else can. Yeah. KOTOR it's is really a magical game, awesome. and I love it. I'm still not huge a huge fan of Revan. 
I but I love the world building of that game. It's it's magical. Um, yeah, I faced off on similar um, uh, against similar beasts like the Kinrath um, on Kashyyyk, and it's a crazy experience. To go back to the Ahsoka Yoda moment, this makes their moment in Rebels even better. I think, even though this is Yoda's vision and Ahsoka, I guess doesn't really know that this happened. You know, clearly it's Ahsoka for a reason. Clearly, I I, I believe that you know with the cosmic force tying everything together, the way that the Ahsoka talks to Yoda in this vision has to have something to do with how Ahsoka feels, clearly. Not just not just from uh, what Yoda knows, but because she is also part of the force. So with that in mind, I think the just the little knowing smile the two share in season two in the in the in the Jedi Temple in season two of Rebels, that is it just it just makes that moment all the more better knowing that yes, they have they have reconciled. Not that they were ever not not that they were ever not reconciled to say, but like yes, they are all cool. They still understand the bigger picture. And in a way they both kind of transcended the uh the kind of the the shackles, the political, military, traditionalist shackles of the old republic, Ahsoka by leaving. Yoda by going on this quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree. Yeah, in sacrifice, Yoda goes to Moraband. Um, uh, he enters a Sith temple where he finds the spirit of the ancient Sith Lord Darth Bane, baby. Um, one of my favorite Sith Lords from Star Wars Legends. Um, on Coruscant, we go to Coruscant where. Sidious calls Dooku and he's like, "Hey, Yoda's going through some stuff. We're gonna we're gonna make th- things hard for him because that's what we do." Um, uh, so there's an um, so uh, the priestesses appear to him on Moraband and they're like, "That chamber over there is very dangerous. Sith used to sacrifice Jedi over there. You're going to face the Sith of your time there." And the Sith create an illusion where he sees Sifo-Dyas, um, or what appears to be Sifo-Dyas. But he does not give in to the temptation, um, uh, and then um, uh, Yoda gets transported into a battle with Anakin Skywalker against Dooku and Sidious. Anakin kills Dooku in the ensuing battle, or let's say this, Anakin does it, um, uh, and Yoda and Anakin battle against Sidious um, with Yoda desperate to find out who the Sith Lord is, but alas, with their dramatic as all hell duel, he is not able to find out who the Sith Lord is. He then goes back to Coruscant and reveals what he's learned um, to uh, Mace Windu and Obi-Wan in... I'm going to say this. My favorite scene of the entire season is the last one of season six of this episode. That scene in the garden with them at the end is maybe my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars, like period. I My mind is never not it's a, blown. Yeah, it's haunting. It's it, absolutely haunting. It's it's incredible. It's, it's haunting, but it's hopeful. And it's like, you know. Fortune Cookie, facing all that you fear will free you from yourself. Want to start off with this one? 
I mean, pretty much, right? Especially for Yoda, you know, confronting. I mean, as Yoda says, you know, named must your fears be before banish them. You can, you know, you have to confront your fears, confront your anxieties. This, this is what makes them manageable. This is how you can tackle them. And that is exactly what Yoda does here as he maybe semi-knowingly, semi-unknowingly kind of is being prepared for the next era of the galaxy in a, in a post, a post Jedi order era. Yeah. It's this episode is just a masterpiece. And I love the ways that Yoda faces his fears in this episode. Um, by the way, do you want to just go ahead? Like, I just want to talk about Moribund, and I want to talk about um, uh, Darth Bane. Yeah, let's 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 jump into it. Um, I love Darth Bane. Bane is one of my favorite characters from Star Wars yeah. Legends, and who is he voiced by in this episode? None other than the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Hamill, a god among men and women and non-binary <laughs> folk um, themselves. Uh, he, he's by the way, did you realize that this is technically, like, timeline-wise, the first interaction between a Mark Hamill character and Yoda in the Star Wars timeline? That's hilarious. That is I mean, hilarious. that's pretty funny when you think about yeah. it. Before is... Luke, there was Bane. But, like, could you tell it was Mark? Because I honestly, like, I was listening for it, and I could not tell. He's yeah, no, that I, good of a I, voice I totally actor. Couldn't. Um, totally couldn't. I mean, before we kick off the Bane part, yeah. I just want to clap it up for Korriban, Moriband, whatever you want to call it, finally appearing on screen after getting so much hype mythos build up in Legends. In Legends. Yeah. I think it's a it's it, they really I think they really do do justice. It's 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 to it. Moriband, Korriband, whatever you want to call it. Both names are canon, believe it or not. Um, according to the Darth, ba um, blah, 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 sorry, according to the George Mann book, uh, Dark Legends, one of the tales from Dark Legends begins in the time when Moraband was called Korriban, which is, confirms that they are the same planet, and that you can go with whatever you want. I like Korriban better because I'm used to it from Legends, and you know, again, I've been playing Kotor, and one of the planets that you visit in Kotor is indeed Korriban. Um. And, you know, I remember looking, I remember being on Korriban in KOTOR, and this looks very accurate to the KOTOR version, which is very cool. Do you got anything between uh, Bane and Sifo-Dyas, or do you want to go on to sifo Um, No, I just thought they did a good job of doing justice to, uh... yeah, it's such a good rendition of the age-old Jedi trial, I think, of having to see through the illusions and yeah i just i think it, i think it's really great um i think it's a great scene but yeah should we uh i mean dooku coming to coruscant if we if we have to quickly go through yeah. there dun, dun, like dun, 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 dun. that is absolutely chilling the way the way palpatine city is greets to me is just like oh yeah we have an opportunity come on now let's let's go it's it's chilling. Um, but yeah, you want to get to the, the ritual? 
yeah, this ritual is crazy. First of all, Sith sorcery in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yeah. Really reminded me of a world between worlds. It, it seemed like he was using the same kind of objects and techniques. Yeah, but like the drop of blood, the excess of force lightning, that's yeah. so incredibly brutal. But I love it so much. It's great. Um uh it's it's yeah, it's in it's incredible. Um and the Siphodeus illusion was really impressive. I thought it was very well done. Um, and oh, yeah. I love what the Force Priestesses say about it. Be careful, for what they offer may certainly seem like an answer. Which is very, yeah. very dark side, you know. It's, oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, it, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something that sounds like an answer, but is actually not an answer. I, I love the Sifo-Dyas thing, but really I think the meat of the episode is in this, is in the battle, is in the battle between Yoda and Sidious and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, the Sifo-Dyas thing, like, that's that's cool. Um, Obviously, even Yoda, you know, being tempted with power, you know, again, I, I, again, props to these episodes for showing us that, that different different side of yoda but once once the duel starts once it's revealed that it's palpatine that's when it that's when it really gets crazy you know we have the uh we have the moment where he's transported yoda's transported to the gunship yeah and he's talking with with anakin and then and then we're back and oh my goodness oh my goodness it is it is so good what, it, what are your thoughts it's in it's in one of my favorite things is first of all let's talk about our similar let's talk about um I want to talk about Anakin uh, and Dooku when they duel. Did you notice that Anakin crosses the sabers? Yeah, yeah. And, and by the that way, so did you notice that Dooku's dead body makes the same noise as his dead body in Revenge of the Sith? Okay, the that I did not notice. Effect. And I don't know how you did, but I'm very impressed by that. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible, the accuracy which they did it. And the whole do it thing. Um, I gotta say, given how much I love Yoda and Palpatine, this is not a criticism of the episode. This is kind of just like what it is. Given how much I love both those characters, you'd think I'd like to see them dueling more, but I actually really hate duels that have both of them in it because it's mm. like basically a green frog flipping around everywhere versus Palpatine, who objectively does not know how to use a lightsaber. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't know how to use a lightsaber. He does the most insane and ridiculous moves, and then he's just up against Yoda, who's this flipping green frog. Yeah. It's Fair. really weird. I certainly did enjoy this duel, I would say. Um, yeah, absolutely. I did as well. But like, yeah. I definitely... Um, I definitely liked it. Um, again, really well, as I said last time, really well well executed um from a from a quality standpoint i think um and the the, the scene at the end with with the lightning with him lifting anakin when he's when he's forced to make the choice that to me is just freaking insane that it's yoda's benevolence and goodness and his continued commitment to the light side that saves him in in the temptation of such evil even as Everything that he wants is right there if he makes the choice to let Anakin die. 
Yeah, it, um, it's the choice that Yoda makes between, I don't know, fighting the ones he hates or saving the ones he loves. Hmm. Interesting. Last Jedi comes in clutch again! Ew. Last Jedi comes in clutch. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I will never stop talking about uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I also love this too. Look at this. Tempted I will not be. Sacrifice all I will do. Notice. This is my favorite. Notice every single per character who becomes a force ghost in some way, shape, or form sacrifices themselves. Except for Yoda. Or, I'll put it this way, is murdered. In some sort of, like, sacrificial, like, you know, like, Qui-Gon dies so, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin can live. Comes a Force ghost. Ben, you know what happens to Kenobi. Luke, you know what happens to Luke. Anakin, you know what happens to Anakin. Ben Solo, again, sacrifices himself so Rey can live. Leia sacrifices herself so Ben can live. Yoda is the only one who becomes a Force Ghost but does not have to sacrifice himself to do it. Because and yet he is prepared to sacrifice. Yeah. That's incredible. That is incredible. That is an incredible, that is an incredible detail. I never would have, uh, never would have noticed that. Yeah. Nicely done. Um, yeah, any more, uh, any more, any more thoughts about this episode? Because... Oh, we got to talk about... Uh, there are two more things I want to bring up. All right, for sure. Number one. Let's talk about the visions. Uh, the Yoda gets a bunch of visions as it fades to white before he gets off of Moraband. Um, oh, no, yeah. actually, no, actually, this is what I'm talking about. Knowledge, guidance, wisdom. There is mm. another Skywalker. What a moment. That, that, that confused me even. Oh, like, it's confusing as hell, but like... So, what we're supposed to say is that the Force Priestess gave Yoda the information that there is another Skywalker. And I was a little yeah. bit confused as to who this other Skywalker was supposed to be. And I understand in the context of Return of the Jedi, it's Leia. But, as we know, Leia's not alive at this time. So, here's my thought. What if there is another Skywalker at this time is not referring to, to Leia, but is actually referring to her mother? There is another Skywalker. That would be, not that by would be bloodline, but by marriage. Just a thought. Also, by the way, in that Fade to White, um, we hear TIE Fighter blasts, Imperial alarms, and Darth Vader's breathing, which is, is so incredible um the garden scene at the end is perfect let me just read this speech to you okay i want did did you learn any wisdom about how to win the war no longer certain that one ever does win a war i am for in fighting the battles the bloodshed already lost we have yet open to us a path remains that unknown to the sith is through this path victory we may yet find not victory in the Clone Wars, but victory for all time. Wow. 
in season one, episode 11, Lair of Grievous, um, there's a quote that um, I reference a lot um, that Yoda says to get Fisto at the end of the episode. In this war, a danger there is of losing who we are. This is the moment where Yoda realized that there isn't a danger of doing that at all. Because it's already happened. Yeah. Absolutely. Another moment that just reminded me of, in a perfect full circle moment, we come back to Ambush, where Yoda says, he, I can't remember the exact quote, but to paraphrase, he says to one of the clones, you don't win the war, you can only survive the war. Yeah. It's such a it's such a perfect final yeah. send off. Yeah. For the Clone Wars. Look. It's incredible. Yeah. I will rant all day and all night about how the helmet in the snow is perfect for the end of the Clone Wars. But I'm not gonna lie, this was pretty damn good too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean overall, as a send off episode. I thought this was nothing short of amazing this killed. and heartbreaking. This killed. This absolutely killed. And to be honest, watching it now, having watched season seven of the Clone Wars, having watched the Clone Wars, having watched the Bad Batch, all that, I still feel like this is a send-off. And I still can I still consider it a send-off. I still feel like it serves a purpose as a send-off. Yeah. Just given given that this was really the end of the Clone Wars functionally for a long time. For season seven didn't come six out. Six years. Season seven didn't come out for six years after that. The franchise was in a very different place when season seven We were post-sequels. We were post-Mandalorian. Yeah. We were post- Season seven had a very different approach. It yeah. had a very different mission and what it was trying to do. So yeah, I still consider this kind of the send-off for the the main line of Clone Wars. Yeah, absolutely. And like and I, I I you know there's this you know, I wanna watch this sometimes. I like I wanna watch that, you know, not victory in the Clone Wars, but not victor but victory for all time. And then it pans up and then we pan down again. Star Wars Episode Three Revenge of the Sith War. What a moment that would be. The re- what? Like what a moment that yeah, would be. A tr- yeah, the transition between sacrifice and the beginning of Revenge of the Sith would be chilling. The Republic is crumbling and under attacks by the fearsome, uh, by by the fearsome Separatist Alliance. I'm probably getting some of that wrong, but anyway, um, yeah, it's um. It's it's awesome. This arc is awesome. There are so many things that I didn't say that I have in these notes. There, it's it's just such a rich um, arc. This arc is great. Uh, what is your ranking of these four? Wow. Well, first off, ranking these episodes. Yeah, I'm about to say I was. You're you're gonna be feels, like ranking. How dare really, you? <laughs> yeah, feels really freaking hard. And you're right. It is almost a ranking. How dare you moment because of how amazing these all are and because of what they do for you what they do to bring the the og clone wars to a close with that being said i think i would have to give the nod in my number one episode ah it's so hard i think i would have to give the nod to voices really interesting Actually, 
Destiny. I think Destiny. Okay, I think so you're Destiny, going Destiny voices. Then voices. Then sacrifice. Then the lost one. But I can't even really rank that. Like for me, even it's... even saying that it's so the difference in overall how much I like them. It's so freaking marginal because of how amazing these episodes for me, are. And it doesn't even feel right to rank. For, for me, it's reverse um, sequential. It's sacrifice at the top, then destiny in a close second, then voices, then the lost one. Um, sacrifice is just, like, if sacrifice didn't have the final conversation in the garden, I might have to reconsider. It might be close, but that garden conversation at the end really, like, hits the mark for me. Um, it's, it's just too good. Um, uh, we're good? Let's, every, you want to go on to everybody's favorite part of Star Wars in a Galaxy? Uh, yes. Let's, Let's get on to it. everybody's favorite part of Star Wars in a Galaxy. What you brought me to die is worth one quarter portion. That's right, it's one quarter portion, the part of in a Galaxy where we do something a little bit different. Um, uh, today, I thought we would do, the, do it this month. Uh, this month. Yeah. What are you enjoying Star Wars this month? I'll talk about Knights of the Old Republic because it's great. And I love it. I've been playing a lot of Knights of the Old Republic these days on my Xbox. It's great. It's, it's such a fun game to play. Um, it's such a crazy look at the Star Wars universe from 2003. Um, I'm playing the Dark Side playthrough of the game, which really does feel like I'm playing a different game than the Light Side playthrough sometimes. Uh, it's completely magical. Um... I'm currently on the planet of Manan. I was just on Tatooine and Kashyyyk. Um, but I'm currently on the planet Manan trying to investigate some some Selkath murders and dis disappearances that are pretty suspicious. Um, uh, and I am about as dark side as you can be right now on my uh, force scale, which is weird because I get to be an asshole to everybody and just have no consequences for that. <laughs> yeah, sounds like fun. It's a for lot. my this month... I am going to pick the canon novel Leia. Princess of it recently. Princess of Alderaan. It is, in my opinion, it's one of the best new canon editions in terms of books. Um, it's relatively new. Um, yeah, I really, really, I really dug it. Claudia Gray. I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, Claudia Gray did an amazing job with that one. Um, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a funny book too because the whole thing is basically just a bunch of uh, a bunch of space high schoolers. Um, but it's a really enjoyable read nonetheless, and it really does kind of bring out a different side of Leia, and and just give a little bit more depth and weight to to what we what we see of her elsewhere. Also, Holdo. Um, Admiral Holdo. Um, I definitely was a was definitely more fond of her as a character after uh, after her appearances in the uh, in the Leia novel. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, that is going to be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Thank you for watching. Um, next week we are going to be taking a look back. We finished season six of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. People, we've done it. We're going to be taking a look back at our and our overall thoughts about the season as a whole and why it's the best of all seven. Oh, wait, <laughs> is that just one of us? Okay, whatever. Okay, 
Uh, anyway, so uh, until then, uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will be there. If we're not, email us at swinagalaxy at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at InAGalaxyPod, Instagram at Star Wars in a Galaxy. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Star Wars in a Galaxy. Follow my personal Twitter account at OchiFan327. Uh, and in the meantime, may the Force be with you. Always.